Hello. I've been programmed to tell you that on January 30th Gabriel will be performing in Maple Valley, Washington. On February 1st Gabriel is performing at a private show. He doesn't want to but they already paid the deposit so he should probably show up. February 7th to 9 Gabriel is in Appleton, Wisconsin at the Skyline Comedy Club. For more info on these shows and for all of his upcoming show dates go to gabrielrutledge.com. Okay, time for episode 5 of Happiness Isn't Funny with Gabriel Rutledge. And now here's your host, Gabriel Rutledge. And we are rolling! All right, um, in Boise right now. That's where we are. I'm holding my microphone, which I don't normally do when I podcast. I hope it sounds okay. Uh, I don't have room. I don't have a table here in the comedy condo in Boise. Uh, I feel weird. I feel like I'm doing a comedy show when I hold a microphone, though. I feel like I should, you know, this guy knows what I'm talking about. So does that guy. This lady's not sure. That guy's wearing a sweater. I'm known for my crowd work. I got a nice view from this condo, though. I'm looking out my window. I can see mountains. I can see uh, a freeway. I can see a skate park. I I can see a bunch of kids at the skate park while their parents watch them wearing vests. My lord, do people in Boise enjoy a vest. Oh, thanks for coming out on... On a Saturday, some of you got your good vests on. I appreciate that. I don't know if you guys travel a lot, but not everywhere in the world wears so many goddamn vests, Boise. The truth about sleeves has not traveled here yet. Another daytime podcast, which means... uh. It's a coffee podcast again. Oh, so delicious. I like my coffee like I like my women. I enjoy all sizes, but I would prefer a large. I always drink a lot in Boise. I mean, not alcohol, not just coffee. I don't know why Boise makes me drink. Maybe because they actually have a bar, like a full bar that's open. Till two in the morning after the show. A lot of comedy clubs. I don't even know how they're in business. I'll be honest. What kind of business plan is like? We're open fifteen hours a week. We have to make all our money in that short of amount of time. I I watch all these restaurant reality shows and all these cooking shows, so I feel like uh, I have an opinion that matters, even though I don't. Like I'm judgy when I watch those cooking reality shows too. I'll be like, oh my god, you're not making risotto in the finals, are you? That never works. Oh, sh- stay away from the ice cream machine. There's no way that shit's going to harden up before you get it on the plate. I have all these opinions. Meanwhile, I'm like burning grilled cheese while I watch this on my kitchen TV. I'm trying to make grilled cheese out of string cheese because I'm out of the regular kind. And I'm just yelling at the TV <laughs> 
Oh, oh, you're going to try quail three ways? Good luck. You're only getting two of them done. I'm in the condo with uh, Luke Severide, who's working with me this week. Uh, maybe that's why I'm drinking, too. It's always, <laughs> it's always fun to have a drink partner, a spotter. And by the way, I like my alcohol like I like my women, too. Uh, headliners get them for free. I actually, I waited because I was, I was too embarrassed to record a podcast while Luke was in the condo. So I waited till he had to go record a podcast with someone else. I don't know. I felt self-conscious about screaming in the room next to him. Who knows? Uh, I got a little feedback last week, uh, on the podcast I did about, uh, bed bugs, which I'm sorry. Uh, there's been reports that it made people itchy. And I, I apologize. I know talking about that makes your head itch. Um, but sometimes you gotta talk about it when a bed bug bites your fucking eyelid! I should have mentioned, uh, uh, actually, in Pakistan, this is gross too, not bed bugs, in Pakistan, you know how you're sleeping sometimes and you feel like an itch or something on your back or your legs and you'd sort of say to yourself, that's not a creature. That's, just my imagination. It's just a little dry piece of skin. That's all that is. There's no way <laughs> that's uh, some sort of hellish creature crawling on me. Well, in Pakistan, I tried to have that talk, and then I thought, that's a little... <clears throat> this itch is moving. Pulled back the covers. Giant fucking cockroach is crawling on my leg. Uh... That cockroach is dead now. I'm sure his friends aren't, but I I did kill it. But that's, I mean, a cockroach on your leg. You can't just go right back to bed after that like nothing happened. This week's episode has a sponsor. Uh, if you would like to sponsor an episode of Happiness Isn't Funny with Gabriel Rutledge, that's me. Uh, five bucks. Email me, Gabriel at GabrielRutledge.com. I, I can't say my own name. Gabriel at GabrielRutledge.com. Uh, or, you know, any of the various social medias. Uh, this week's podcast sponsor is Heather. I, I'm i not going to say Heather's last name. I don't know. It feels weird. She's a not a public person. She just wanted to give me five bucks because she's nice. Um. She doesn't, she doesn't have any plugs. She doesn't have anything I, I need to promote for her. She doesn't have an Etsy store that I know about. Um, Heather is a great comedy fan and I appreciate that. She sees, she sees a lot of shows. She sees a lot of music shows too. I don't, I'm actually concerned what they do with the children, uh, when they're out all the time. But, uh, thank you, Heather. I appreciate it. You know what? Since Heather doesn't have anything for me to read, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this because I know Heather is a teacher. I'm gonna I'm gonna say something about teachers. Uh, it's embarrassing how we treat our teachers in this country. I'm gonna put teachers in in the category of something like this would be hard to explain to the aliens, right? Because uh, you know, if aliens come down for some reason, I'm assuming they're gonna be like an enlightened people. Maybe this is from Star Trek. I don't know. They're going to have stuff figured out. They're not going to get racism. They're not going to understand uh, 
some of the dumb shit we do as a human race. I would I would put homeless people in the same conversation as as, as how to explain homeless people to the aliens when they're like, "Wait, some of you have so much and some of you literally literally live on the street." Uh how is this possible? You know. I don't know, alien, because if they lived in our house, they would do heroin and shit in the corner. And I'm not <laughs> I don't mean I don't mean that in a dick way, but like, you know, it's a complicated issue, and I get that. Uh, but still, humans that live on the street and humans that live in a giant palace, that's hard to explain to aliens. Teachers, hard to explain to aliens. Uh, do they make a lot of money? No, they do not. Um, I mean, I think when you're there a while, maybe you make okay money, but at least in the beginning, it's fucking terrible. Teachers are Uber drivers. They're, they deliver pizza. They uh they got to do shit to make ends meet, and they're teaching our children. How, how is a well-educated populace not a giant priority of a society? How is it? How how come? I mean, we should have teachers board the plane first. We should have teachers who have like amazing benefits. I mean, I don't want to. The word hero is overdone, but I mean. I get that people in the military are heroes because they risk their life uh, uh, for service of this country. Sometimes, in my opinion, they're risking their life uh, for a thing they shouldn't have to, but that doesn't mean their sacrifice is any less. But how? How are, I would love it if uh, fucking Alaska Airlines or whoever was like, uh, "Do I have any teachers uh, who are taking today's flight? You could go ahead and get on first. Why not? Why not?" Why are they not well-paid, well-respected? And I also don't... Look, you know how uh, parents... Uh, we, I don't know, if you don't have kids, we complain a lot. We complain because the, the, the schools have... Uh, there's too much testing now. Uh, that's like the big priority for everything. There's also... They do math different than they used to. Uh, Common Core... Math is very confusing for old people like me who know how to do what we do and not what these newfangled kid rules are. Okay, but you know what? You know, every time there's a new policy, every time there's a new testing thing, who takes the brunt of that is the teachers. It wasn't their fucking idea. Teachers didn't get together as a group and request from the administration that they could test the children more. That wasn't their idea. They gotta live with it, and they gotta listen to parents bitch to them about it. Which is the other reason teachers should make way more money, is they have to deal with parents. There's a lot of talk about snowflakes, okay? This is my own opinion. The kids are not snowflakes. The kids' parents are snowflakes. Okay, we all, we all think our kids are special, which they are. But they're also not that fucking special. And every every parent, I'm a, I mean I know a lot about schools because my wife is a uh, uh, I'm, I know a lot of teachers and my uh, my wife is a part time paraeducator, but and so I get to hear some uh, honest conversations among educators, and parents, half the parents are saying to the teacher, my kid's not being challenged enough, which if that's your biggest problem, shut the fuck up. My kid's so smart, he's bored. Give me a break. Do you think dumb kids don't get bored? School's boring. 
And then the other half are saying, my kid learns differently. We need to cater your teaching because my kid learns differently. Do you know what that means when your kid learns differently? It means they're bad at school. I don't mean that in a dick way. But there's 25 kids in a classroom. Do you think they can do 25 different lesson plans for each individual child's intelligence level? That is not realistic. And in case you're thinking, oh, I'm an asshole because my kids are really good at school and I don't understand, that is no, not the case. My son uh, super struggled in grade school. You know, if you're a parent, you go into a classroom and they've got all these art projects up on the wall and some of them look amazing and then there's like one over in the corner that looks like a scribbled pile of shit and everyone else uh, looks like a gingerbread house or something. That was my kid, okay? He struggled mightily. He was the he was the we- <laughs> he was the weakest link in several classrooms. He is not anymore. Okay, he does great. He got like a 3.4 GPA his first semester in high school. Uh and I give the teachers a ton of credit cuz they were patient with him and they worked with him and uh he- I get it. But I can't go into that classroom when my son was like in second grade and be like, uh, everyone else's salmon project looks a lot better than my kids. Why don't we not do a salmon project? How come, you know, art makes my kid feel bad. How come he can't go sit in the hallway while the other kids do their salmon projects and he could maybe uh, read about salmon instead? That's the expectations we put on teachers is bananas. So they have to deal with all that shit and also uh, drive Uber so they have enough money to pay their fucking rent. It's ridiculous, and I'm embarrassed to say to the aliens, uh, we fucked up. I mean, just as a group, as humans, if we had a meeting on, like, what is the one of the most important things uh, 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 we could do as a society? Hey, how about everyone's not dumb? How about everyone has to go to school at least to a certain point so everyone's not dumb. How about that? So we kind of agreed on that. And uh, what you get for dedicating your life to making sure other people aren't dumb is uh, not enough money and a lot of shit. Okay? And I support every teacher who's on strike except for the ones in my district because what the fuck? What am I supposed to do with them? People do learn differently, uh, by the way. That is a real thing. I mean, your your level of success in uh, school, high school, any part of school is no future indicator of success. I mean, a lot of super successful people were terrible at school. But uh, that's not really a thing that teachers can do a lot about. And uh, that's not a thing that works after school. By the way, whatever your job is, you can't, uh, you know, I think my first job was, uh, uh, by the way, Heather, thanks for the five bucks. You're a great American. Uh, I think my first job was uh, a grocery store, right? I couldn't, I couldn't say to my bosses, 
uh, I'm really bad at bagging groceries because I learn differently. I can't say I could I couldn't say to them I you know what I would do a lot better uh, if I had to beg less groceries I feel like I can really concentrate uh, and do a better job if I only uh, beg a couple times an hour this constant begging of groceries is not how I'm performing at my best is that a possibility no of course not jobs don't care if you learn differently they want results. I always, whenever I'm complaining uh, about my comedy career. Good news, everybody. Gabriel is going to complain about his career again. I like to, uh, I like to say to my wife that uh, I, I should have stayed at the grocery store. Uh, which is, <laughs> it's amusing uh, because it's not even open anymore. But that was my first job and I felt like, I would see the guys that were working there. They were making decent money. I'm like, I don't think I need... I might be done with my career search. I like the grocery store life. Uh, Peterson Shoprite on the west side of Olympia, for you Olympia listeners. Uh, but you have to be old because uh, it's not there anymore. Uh but it's weird. You know, I don't know if this, I'm sure this happens. You're humans also. Uh, a song will remind you of a time in your life. And I have a Peterson's ShopRite song. I worked there from like 16 to 18. Uh, and the owner, I guess I'll say is Larry Peterson. Uh, I'm not going to say anything bad about him so I can say his name. Uh, I guess he really liked this song called Son of a Son of a Sailor by Jimmy Buffett. And so when uh, he was at work and that song would come on, whatever we listened to over the loudspeakers, this is way pre-satellite radio, so I think it was like Mix 96 or some soft rock channel. So on the occasion that Son of a Son of a Sailor would come on, uh, Larry would crank it. He had the controls up in his office, and so he would just be blasting uh, Jimmy Buffett uh, super loud. And, you know, during the day, grocery stores are pretty much old people. And, uh, you know, all these old ladies would be like, why is it so loud? And like, well, he'll turn it back down after his jam's over. Also, jam's on aisle three. So, yeah, in the... Uh, infrequent times in my life that I hear son of a son of a sailor uh I think of uh, I think of ShopRite I think I quit ShopRite for a very legit reason um I wanted to get my ears pierced <laughs> fuck you mom fuck you ShopRite I'm not your son of a sailor uh, so I moved a little bit down the, uh, I don't know, I guess, strip mall to uh, Dirty Dave's Pizza because there are a bunch of dirt bags down there. With uh, I figured it matched my new punk rock lifestyle better. Um, and I worked, I worked there a long time. I worked. Uh, they actually closed that one and moved to Yelm, Washington, which uh, I don't. That was a very weird... At first, I didn't want to go to Yelm because it's like 25 minutes away from Olympia. I'm like, I'm going to Yelm every day to go to work. And then I... So I quit. And then, you know, of course, a month later, I'm like, I I need a job. I'm going to drive to Yelm. Uh, 
But that was a very that was a very interesting time in my life because of the the group of people I worked with. It was sort of a a thing you wouldn't think would happen. Uh, it was sort of like a it was almost a sitcom or a TV show casting that uh, you 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 wouldn't think would actually happen in real life because my most the coworkers I had at that time uh, at Dirty Dave's in Yelm. Uh, there was a uh, a born again Christian, white guy. Uh, there was me, a uh, agnostic punk rock kid. There was a black gentleman who was a Jehovah Witness, and there was a Hispanic gentleman who was a follower of Ramtha. That was our kitchen crew, and you might not, uh, depending on where you're from. I don't know if you know who Ramtha is, um, but uh, she is allegedly a 2,000-year-old spirit warrior. Um, and she channels through the body of a human named Jay-Z Knight, who uh, lives in Yelm in a giant mansion. And uh, she has followers. People come from like all around the world to uh, follow her teachings. Um Actually, her her husband, uh, before her husband died, I think he pretty much told everyone it was bullshit, but that, I mean, she's still going. Uh, it's just like a lot of uh, uh, people in Yelm who are, they call them very unaffectionately, they called them ramsters. Uh, and I don't really know all the followings, but it was a lot, I don't know, they would wear like copper lizard jewelry a lot. And, uh, you know... The whole thing's a fucking scam, in my opinion, of course. You have to keep paying money to get to a higher level. Uh, you know, and what do you do to get the level? You listen to uh, Jay-Z Knight put on her weird spirit warrior voice, like, and then, uh, which was pretty impressive, actually. I remember watching her on, like, Donahue back in the day, and she'd be like, okay, you want to hear Ramtha? Hello, Phil. You know, like, holy shit. Uh, but basically, uh, one of the things that the, uh, the Hispanic guy Ralph told me they do is they, uh, kind of run around in the woods, uh, with a blindfold on so they can work on their third eye. They should be able to see the tree before they run into it. And I assume they listen to Third Eye Blind, uh, when they do it. Ha! I want something else to get me through this. Symmetry's life. Try to remember all the lyrics. It helps you visualize. Sorry, Ramtha. I'll do better. <sighs> Selma Hayek uh, is a follower of Ramtha. I was disappointed to learn. I feel like really, really beautiful people shouldn't do dumb things. But, uh... No, I saw some news story about, I don't know, her dog got shot or some terrible story, but she was in Yelm at the time, and that's why she was in Yelm? Following ramp that, what? Why? Selma. If you're going to follow the teachings and weird rituals of a 2,000-year-old person, be a Catholic. Go to church like everyone else. Take your lizard off. No, don't. I called that guy Ralph Hispanic. I don't. Uh, I don't think I'm. Are we supposed to? 
I don't know who I'm asking. We're not supposed to say Hispanic anymore, are we? Latino? Latino? I'll Google it. I'll go to woke.com, figure it out. I don't even, <laughs> I don't even mean that in a dick way. I just don't want to be the last guy saying Hispanic uh, when I'm not supposed to say it anymore. But uh, And I also said it because I can't remember the exact country he was from. Probably because I'm a white piece of shit. Although I'm not white enough that I didn't know all of the Third Eye Blind lyrics, so that's pretty good. Keep practicing. Will do. Linda Evans came to our Dirty Days once because she was a Ramtha follower. I don't really know Linda Evans. I think she was a soap opera person, actress of some kind. But uh, it was hilarious because, uh, you know, even though they were following the teachings of a... uh, thousands-of-year-old spirit warrior. Uh, you could tell that the Ramp the followers were still very impressed by celebrity because um, he would al- they would always talk about uh, the different celebrities who were followers. And So Linda Evans was in town. Um, and uh, Ralph was starstruck. You know, he was starstruck. And uh, he it was hilarious. He would go out and ask her these questions. <laughs> Like she ordered a pizza, and uh, he would go out and be like, "Now, did you, oh, Linda? Sorry to disturb you. Did you want onions on your pizza?" She's like, "Oh, are they supposed to be?" Well, no. I just thought you might. Okay. He'd come back to the kitchen, run back out a little while later. Did you want cheese? Is cheese a thing you want on your pizza, Linda? Big fan. Sorry to disturb you. Leave us now, Ralph. Also, Ramtha hates mushrooms. If I see one mushroom, I swear to fucking Christ, I will kill you. Will do, Ramtha. I could. Do you want me to cook this with a blindfold on? God, no. I want it to be edible, you fucking moron. Oh, sorry. You want me to put third eye blind on? That would be nice. <laughs> I think my uh, Ramtha impression is just uh, what is that guy's name? Harvey Firestein Stein. Harvey. Yeah, I don't know if you guys know that actor. He's like a Broadway guy. He sounds a lot like this. I don't know him from his uh, Broadway work. I know him from a uh, uh, very uh, important cinematic film. Um, I guess all films are cinematic, but it's important. It's called Elmo Saves Christmas, and uh, he had a part in that. That I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. It was terrifying. Uh, I have some. Uh, I, I have some concerns about the casting in that movie. I mean, Elmo's like <laughs> like this nice puppy that all the little toddlers like, and then hey, Elmo! It, it's scary. It's a scary movie. Christmas eggs, got your Christmas eggs right here. Christmas Hi, eggs. Hello. Who are you? Well, I'm the Christmas bunny. Well, no, you're not. You're the Easter Bunny. No. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Then how come I got all these here Christmas eggs? <laughs> <laughs> Those aren't Christmas eggs. Those are Easter eggs. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay, okay. Wait, wait, wait. Those are Easter eggs, and I'm the Easter Bunny. But it's usually my season, and it's still Christmas. I got to move these here eggs. Ooh. What do you say, little fella? How about a 
lovely Easter egg for a Christmas present always makes a very unique gift. Buy your friends an Easter egg for Christmas. Easter eggs are useful as can be. Take your Christmas money to your local bunny and you can lay an egg beneath a Christmas tree. I hope Harvey Firestein is not a ramp the follower because that would get very confusing if they're both at the same enlightenment retreat together. Ramtha would be like, The key to everything is the power of your own mind. And then Harvey was like, You know, when I worked with Carol Channing on Hello Dolly, she said a very similar thing. Well, this podcast got weird. Uh... <laughs> Hello, this is a commercial word for Anchor Podcasts, the easiest way to host your podcast. Um, If you don't have a podcast, congratulations. You probably have an enjoyable life full of friends, family, and fun. Uh, But if you do have a podcast, um, I'm sorry, and you should use Anchor Podcasts. Uh, It's easy, it's free, Uh, they distribute everything for you, they give you sponsorship, which apparently is just talking about Anchor. I guess that's their sponsorship, but I don't want to brag, but I make, you know, maybe six bucks a month doing this, so worth it? Of course it is. Uh, Go to anchor.fm or the Anchor app. We now return to another riveting episode of The Rutledges. Uh, I had a Just for Laughs uh, audition uh, last week. Um... Which, uh, just for laughs, is like, you know, I guess the biggest comedy festival there is for comedians. Um, they have a, uh, a new faces portion where they, they invite up and coming, usually young, not sure why they invited me to the audition, usually young, uh, comedians who come in and get showcased. And it's a spot where if it goes well, you're signing development deals and, uh, you know, you're getting managers and your life can change. I mean, that doesn't always happen, but it, uh, I know people it has happened for. So, uh, I, I did it. It was a Tacoma Comedy Club bunch of, everyone had a great show. Um, I, I, uh, I had a really good set. Um, in fact, I wouldn't do it again and that's how you know it was good like usually everything i every competition or audition or tv taping i've had the second it's over i think i wish i could do it again because i would do it better uh there's only been a few times i haven't thought that uh um probably one being the uh the final set i had in the laughing school comedy competition and uh the other time would be uh, this audition set because it, it went it went really well and I thought mm, I'm not going to do that better that's as good as it gets and uh, the guy um, who I think I don't know if he's the only guy but one of a few guys who who books the new faces for the just for laughs he was there I talked to him and uh, it was tough it was a tough conversation because. Uh, you know, he was very complimentary, and he also was one of the judges at Laughing Skull Festival, uh, so he remembered me from that. Um, he said very nice things about uh, my set and my talent, 
Um, but he kind of asked me, <laughs> he asked me a bunch of questions that are sort of the questions I ask myself all the time. Uh, questions like, um, is that, are you where you want to be in your comedy career? What is your plan? What is it exactly, uh, you want to be doing? Um, and I think he's asking me these questions because he doesn't want to invite someone to the Just for Laughs Festival who is going to get opportunities and then not take advantage of them. Um, he actually said to me, um, you know, after he said some complimentary things about my set, he said, uh, as far as, uh, just for laughs, new faces, I mean, you're above it. And I don't, I'm not taking that as I'm above it. Like, you know, oh, you're so funny. You're too good to go to the just for laughs festival. Uh, that I don't think he meant that. I think he meant, uh, one, above, <laughs> one above it as in I'm an established comedian who is 45 years old and I am not up and coming and uh, I am not young. So I think he kind of meant it in that way, meaning, you know, you know, he said he would uh, recommend me to some TV people he knew about a thing that was happening, which would be great. Again, this isn't an uh, all negative thing. I had a good set. He said very nice things about me. He said he put in a word with, uh, with something. And, uh, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, he said if I want to go to the next level, I might need to change lanes. Um, meaning I might need to spend more time in LA. And honestly, more time for me would be any time. I don't, I hardly spend any time. I've taped a few TV shows there. That's all I've ever done there. I don't, I don't go there and hang out. I don't go there and, uh, and, uh, put in time at the scene. And, uh, you know, and it's one of the reasons I, uh, am where I am, which is fine. And you know what? The honest answer when he's like, are, you know, are you doing what you want to do? Are you happy with where you're at? The answer to that might be yes. But I guess I'm just not comfortable telling a guy who could change my life, oh, yeah, I'm totally comfortable. I don't want anything else. Because that's not entirely the case either. Um, I think what I want to do is I want to uh, do more comedy on TV. I want to do comedy on uh, late night somewhere. I want to put out specials that people w watch, whatever that is, Netflix, Showtime, Amazon Prime, any of those things. I would love to do those things, but those aren't really the kind of goals that excite uh, the comedy industry. Um, you know, that's not... <laughs> you know, you do get money for those things, but not enough money to get uh, uh, a manager that excited. I mean, you know, it's... If I had a manager who got 15% of what I have now, which first of all, I don't, I can't really afford to give them, but that's, I'm not good at math, but that's, uh, well, cause I don't think they get a cut of merch. Uh, I don't know. I'm just throwing a number out here. Ten, twelve thousand $12,000 a year. So if I, <laughs> if I had a manager who got 15% of what I would make, that's what they would make. 
ten, twelve thousand dollars a year. That's nothing. If they get me a late night spot, uh, that's not a money thing either. It pays like a thousand bucks or something. If they got me on Netflix, yeah, that pays some money. But still, what they want is they want, they're hoping something really blows up and you have a show or, uh, uh, the Gabriel Rutledge show goes to the Bravo network and they're one of the producers on it. And, you know, they're thinking big picture because they have to be. They're not, you know, obviously they, they, they are interested in supporting your comedy career, but they're thinking, they're thinking big picture. And, uh, a guy who's like, yeah, I like work on the road. I'd like to work some better spots and I would like to do comedy on TV. And no, I'm not going to move to Los Angeles because I own a home in Olympia, Washington is not, uh, that exciting of a proposition for them. And, uh, part, at first I was a little, I thought, you know what? Why does this guy, why does this just for last guy care what I would do with the opportunity? To me, it's like, you're telling me to go to LA more if I want opportunities, but I'm in front of you right now. You found me. You are a talent scout and you scouted some talent and you found a dude uh who lives in Olympia, Washington. Good for you. You did it. And then I and then I thought, well, you know what? He does have to he has to give the industry people that they can work with. And in his head, I might not be one of them, and I don't think he's wrong. Uh, so I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where, uh, when you have a, the same conversation with, uh, a, a big, a big mover and shaker in the comedy world, and they ask you the same questions that people ask you after shows, <laughs> and they're the same questions I ask myself, um, it's a tough conversation to have, and I still, I don't, it depends on the day, but uh, I don't really know what I want all the time. And I do know that I can't just, you know what, I'll take November off and go to L.A. First of all, I don't know what that means, and other than to go to some open mics and pick my name out of a bucket and hope to get three minutes. I mean, I don't, I'm not connected there. I can't, I'm not going there. Even if I did take a month off and go to LA, I'm not, the, the stage time I would get would not be amazing. Um, it's not like they're just waiting down there like someday Gabriel will show up and we'll give him everything. Um, but I can't, I also can't afford to do that. And I thought, you know what, is this my fear of success? Which is something my counselor that I used to go to told me and then I quit because what the fuck does she know? That's not why I quit. I quit because she said I was all better and she gave me a note uh that said I have no more mental problems and I'm perfect and I laminated it and I wear it around my neck uh no but I never thought I don't know if I have fear of success I have fear of choices I have fear of you know if I go to Montreal which I want to but if I did and someone said hey start writing the Gabriel Rutledge show we're going to give you money to do it. All these things are happening. That The choices I would have to make if that happened scare me a little bit. Because I'm not saying my life is perfect, but it, it is kind of working. The thing that's not kind of working is I'm gone too much. But I don't think the level above me in the comedy ladder is less busy. It might be less busy doing road work, but it's more busy doing other shit. So I don't know if that gets better. And... um I I make 
I'm not stupid. Of course I want to make more money. Of course I want more opportunities. But I also, I don't need them to give me anything to continue to be in comedy. I've done all of this without help of comedy industry. I mean, sort of. You know, I've been on Comedy Central and a couple other TV things, and the industry gave that to me. But, you know, I'm not... uh, The career I have, I've learned listening to a famous comedian's podcast. The career I have is 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 kind of a famous comics worst case scenario. Like you'll hear him say stuff like, um, you know, like ah fuck it. I when Hollywood's not working out for him, like I can always go back on the road. I don't need to be a draw. I could just work, and uh, that's kind of what I do. That's kind of what I've been doing for a long time. I just work. I'm a little bit of a draw, some places which is awesome, but yeah, I'm just, uh, I don't need to be saved. I'm not desperate for Hollywood to, uh, or just for laughs to uh, save me from my comedy career, and uh, maybe that works against me a little bit. Maybe if I wasn't a professional comedian who was paying my bills by doing comedy, if I was still, if I was working at, uh, if I was working at the grocery store and I did comedy on the weekends, uh, yeah, I would, I would probably, uh, be a better candidate for, uh, changing my whole life, um, to better fit into show business. But, uh, I don't know. I already, <laughs> I'm from the Briar Patch, which is, uh, a reference to a really old movie that, uh, Disney took off the air. Uh, what was it called? Song of the South? Song of the South. Uh, it, they don't show it anymore because allegedly it's racist. I don't know why it was considered racist, but I think the gist of the movie is uh, is uh, this uh, rabbit gets caught by a fox. And so the rabbit, like, you know, psychologically... Starts playing games where he's like, oh, eat me if you want, but do not put me in the briar patch. Uh, please do not put me in the briar patch. And and so eventually the fox is like, you know what? I'm not even going to eat you. I'm just going to throw you in the briar patch. And then uh, the, the rabbit is like, ha ha, fuck you. I'm from the briar patch. I don't care if I'm in the briar patch. I'm li- I live here. Yeah, and for some reason, uh, I, I think about that when I, talk, when I'm around, uh, you know, in 20, in 2017, when I won the Laughing School Festival, I, I talked to a lot of industry people and then uh, not a lot happened. Um, and I think that's gotta be at least my fault. I must be bad at it. I must be bad at, uh, saying the right things, doing the right things. <laughs> um, but I think a lot of it is just, uh, I'm okay with the briar patch, you know? And uh they uh they don't think I need them. And I don't think I need them sometimes, but then I do. <laughs> I do. Of course I would like to be uh in a better spot than I am now. Uh why not? And and even beyond that, even beyond money. Well, well there's nothing beyond money. Um but even even beyond that, it's uh like I'm I'm doing uh you know I I wrote a book right. Happiness isn't funny. True stories of a road comic on Amazon. Uh, I just put it out myself, self published. 
it, it would be great if when I did that, it actually came out with a uh, a, a, a real publishing company. And if I was living in Los Angeles and I was uh, I had management and representation, I think that's a thing that could have happened. I'm getting ready to do this cool thing. Hopefully it will be a cool thing where uh, 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 this guy, uh, well, it doesn't matter. I'm going to get, I'm taping a bunch of shows over the first half of this year at like three different clubs. I'm also uh, doing a lot of like offstage stuff where I'll, you know, just me walking around town, me going on the, all kinds of stuff. So it's going to basically be a special, but also like a bit documentary. And, uh, I'm really excited about how that might turn out, but I also, if it turns out great, I don't have a person to send it to Netflix and go put this on. Uh, I'm just going to send it to info at Netflix.com and see what happens. That's So even beyond the uh, money, fame part, it's I would like my projects to go to a bigger group of people. But that's not your fault, listener. You're a part of this project, and I uh, I appreciate it. Um, let's go to iTunes reviews. I don't know what I'm talking about. I have 10 minutes a day where I feel like I know what I'm doing, and the rest of the time, a lot of questioning. I think that's part of the human experience, uh, especially when you're a comedian. Oh, and I I, uh, I do want to report that uh, I, I had talked about how uh, my, my Facebook videos that uh, Comedy Juice was sharing, uh, I had one that was almost... Close to a million views. Uh, guess what? That one's like a, that's at 1.3 million views. That one. So, uh, you know what that means? One man bass drum parade. <laughs> Sir, <laughs> you can't do that here. <laughs> this is a Sears. <laughs> it's the last one. <laughs> uh, so I got, I have, uh, I have like, uh, between the four videos they've shared, I think I have 1.6, 1.7 million views, which is cool. Feels good. Got a bunch of new YouTube uh, um, subscribers. Got a bunch of people liking my fan page. It's nice. iTunes reviews. Uh, if you leave me an iTunes review, I'll read it. Um, only interested in five-star reviews. Positive feedback only. Uh, all right. From Phosphorus, I'm going to pronounce it. If you are looking for bells and whistles, look elsewhere. But if you want to hear one funny dude talking into a microphone, you've come to the right place. Gabriel, you have dozens of listeners, and you have rocked them all. Thank you, uh, Phosphorus. And um, this might be a good time to mention, uh, I'm actually starting a new podcast. It's called Bells and Whistles, where we talk exclusively about bells and or whistles. And uh might sound boring, but first episode's about rape whistles, so it's pretty edgy. Inappropriate. Sorry. Uh, if you leave me a review, I'll read it. Uh, if you want to sponsor another episode for me, it's five bucks. Heather, thank you for doing that. I already, I already got a sponsor for the next two episodes. Five bucks at a time. That's how I'm going to get five bucks at a time. It's five bucks at a time. That's my plan. Um, still don't have a catchy wrap-up thing to say, so podcast is over.
son of a son of a sailor, I went out on the sea for adventure. Expanding the view of the captain and crew like a man just released from indenture. As a dreamer of dreams and a traveling man, I have chalked up many a mile. Read dozens of books about heroes and crooks, and I learned much both of their styles. Son of a son, son of a son, son of a son of a sailor. Son of a god, load the last time. One step ahead of the jailer Now way in the near future Southeast of disorder You can shake the hand of the mangled man As he greets you at the border And the lady she hails from Trinidad I love the spices Salt for your meat and cinnamon sweet and the rum is for all your goodbyes all the sheet in as we ride on the wind that our forefathers heart is before us hear the bells ring as the tide rigging sings it's the son of a god of a chorus over. We're done. Bye.